Welcome to Singled Out, the ninth best Guild Ball podcast. Please stand by. Welcome to episode 126. In this episode Andrew, Niels and Steve talk about the new Guild Ball errata, and how they have buffed Thresher again. Welcome to episode 124 of Singled Out, the ninth best Guildball podcast. With me is Niels Homkins and also Steve. Hello. Hello. We're going to do a funny intro, but then Andrew did the straight intro, so now I don't get to use my uh, singled out nil point. Uh, okay, we'll tell you what, we'll come on recording and we'll start again. Right, go. <laughs> singled Out podcast. Zero points from all judges. You said it was funny. That's just depressing. Really? <laughs> <laughs> actually accurate, though. Actually accurate. In I a mean, new version of podcasts. We... I mean, I- I'm still charmingly like, saying we're the ninth best cat podcast, even though there's only one podcast that has Gilmore left, I think, as far as I can tell. Yeah, we're still, we're still better than, like, you know, anatomical precision or that, you know. Was that, was that the one podcasts? that had sound quality so bad you couldn't hear it? Was that a different one? Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's my. It was uh, yeah. Mike. So, hi, Mike. We love you. Um, so, Thanks for all your work on the errata, which we're now going to talk about. <laughs> so uh, today we're doing an errata where I think is, is Midas finally losing true replication. Is that the new change for the errata? That yeah. is that is the change. I think I think shocks uh, is going string. Yeah, I was trying to introduce the guest Andrew, but you've already just ploughed through it with references to season one Guild Ball models. <laughs> With me is Niels. Hello, Niels. Hello, hello. Is that good enough for you now? Is that right? I'll accept. I mean, you didn't, you didn't say he's the inspiring hat. Like, other people might he's be not, like... He's not wearing this? a hat. He's wearing a hood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
listeners, we've got to let you in on this. Niels, Niels has twice been on this podcast. Uh, on no occasion has he worn any sort of headwear, let alone an actual hat. Maybe that's the lack of hats inspiring part. Maybe actually not wearing a hat is inspiring. That's a secret. Look, look, I'm wearing a headset. That's not, that's not a hat. You're wearing, <laughs> you're wearing headphones. <laughs> like, I don't even think they count as headwear. Okay, you, <laughs> tune in next week for hat, hat or not a hat with Niels. <laughs> have you tried yeah, putting yeah. a hat onto a headphone? It's it's very not nice. That is true. So don't um, care, don't care. You should do it. This is the so, first. So the file I should be opening is the um, is the one of the errata, right? Not the one of the complaints God. about my landlord. Yeah, we, are, we 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 are lucky that this is the only Google podcast. This is terrible audio, right? Um, <laughs> so this is a, this is the first errata um, done by the community, isn't it? It is so indeed, rather than yeah. Bryce sort of throwing darts at a dartboard, pointing out who he hates, and then then basically giving Fisher a buff, um, it's now basically you two doing the same sort of thing. Yeah. No, um, so wish. Andrew, uh, wish. Yeah, but that, that like, why did you like do it like completely correct already, Andrew? Like that is that is immediately how we did. That was well, our I like, design to, I like philosophy. to sort of skip to the end, you see, and really get to the facts straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it was, I mean, I mean, if Niels and I had just done this errata, at least Peck would have got nerfed, but that bastard nah. chicken has gone away again. <laughs> thanks, thanks for doing a swear, but I can't edit it out very easily because we changed the that's software. Not, that's the official name of that mascot. Oh, is it? <laughs> like, that's, that's fine, then. That is it, yeah. That's the only change we have actually been able to make that model in this eraser is to change its legal name. The only thing we've done is we've changed the keywords in his in his card to bastard at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's like, it's like a Sean Bean movie. Like it's just sort of, <laughs> that bastard chicken. <laughs> so I mean there's there's ten models that you erated. So I guess first of all, the question to ask is why did you choose like those ten or only ten models rather than other ones? Because I mean any water that comes out, there's always going to be some models. Someone goes, "Why not this one?" and so on. So, so why did you choose those ten? Ten before we go into who they are, um, why those ten? Um, that's actually a good question. So, uh, basically, blast <laughs> the for God's sake! You'll, you'll get ideas of the station. <laughs> well. Basically, uh, how we started was, uh, so we have the rules committee consisting of six, uh, six members. You have Steve and I. So we're just, the eight of us basically said, okay, let's each make lists. Which models do we think are problematic but can be fixed with simple elegance? Which models are underused and could be improved with slight changes? And um, basically, like, you're hearing me say, why only small changes? Because... Most of the statistics, gameplay feedback we're getting at this time is online play, which is totally different from real-life tabletop play in terms of vision, tokens, auras, clock pressure, etc. So, um, yeah, we're, we're just uh, going to try to as elegantly look at what we think are the most problematic or most underused models and tweak them just slightly um, and see how what that does yeah i guess because we did the big community survey uh just after you know just when the community project was launched that 
think about 900 people filled that in and the and the general consensus from that survey was that um people wanted a smaller wanted smaller erratas so the 10 model cap basically came from the feedback from the community survey i think we had about from the top of my head it was about 450 460 people wanted 10 models or less and then about 400 wanted 10 to 20 models so we we thought it's our first rodeo um Generally, people are skewing for smaller ratas, so so we'll aim for ten models. So you had nine hundred sponsors. Yeah, 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 it was amazing. Like so that's uh, a lot of people I mean, who, who think the game's still alive. That's quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It was really great. good. I mean, it was it was both great and terrible because it meant I had to upgrade from the free version of the survey software <laughs> so, <laughs> I was using. So so the, the the success of the Gilball Community Project cost me fifty pounds in uh in upgrades of uh in software upgrades. Absolute win, then really. Yeah, yeah, which I immediately uh, yeah tried to build to work. <laughs> I guess Clockbush is a big deal, right? Because in some ways, that's going to be the one thing you can't really replicate online very well. No, yeah, we have, for sure. Um... Because even if you play online on Clock, you, you're basically testing people's knowledge of like hotkeys and software. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much. And, uh, of course, we have... Uh, like, there's two... Uh, software it's like Vassal and we have Wartable. Um, Wartable has a built-in clock. Vassal doesn't. So, how to figure out how to figure out how to actually do clock? Um, uh, of course, like um, Steve already said, you're you're checking the skill for game, but also the skill for the software. So, how can you quantify what time you should set? Yes, right. So, should we get on with it then? Should we crack on? Um, so, we should we just go down the list, shall we? Yeah, should we do that? I think the first thing to say also is making an errata is hard. Oh like, my god, yes. Like, yeah, like complaining about an errata when I used to just complain, you know, when I used to just message Bryce asking what the hell he was doing. That was like, uh, I, I, I apologise right. to Bryce and, and Perkins <laughs> for my previous. So, so what's like your personal email that. address? So when people don't, don't like it, they can email you directly with questions and helpful hints. Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and Steve's email is... Singled out podcast. Fortunately, got the email wrong. That's fortunate. Ah, <laughs> uh, mate, we've yeah. never been in such extensive debates about like whether a tackle would be momentous or not. Like. <laughs> Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet a week-long yeah. debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so first up, then we have Egret. Um, so Egret. her main yes. change was to remove close control. Is that correct? It's basically the only thing we did, right, Steve? Yeah, that was it. Um, so Egret, I think, gained close control a little while ago, and I think she was given close control because. Falconers lacked a way to defend the ball, but I think by giving close control to Egret, they also gave close control in a really defensive model to a steel jaw team, which created quite a negative and very defense, you know, made a sort of already negative, quite defensive play style, able to be even more negative and defensive because Egret basically does exactly what she was doing before blurries, snap fire, throws a load of conditions out on people, and then backs the shadows away. So she's able to confidently be sort of 12. 14 inches away from any enemy model and has close control, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's proper kill me now territory. So so basically, it meant that she could only 
and she has traps and a steel jaw team as well. So she could only realistically, you're only realistically getting the ball off her with a very small number of models in the game. So it's a model like, you know, Flint can get to her, but not getting the ball off her. So it's mainly a change due to her her minor guild rather than her functioning hunters then? I think what Bryce said was that the intent for the change was to buff falconers, but actually it ended up buffing hunters a lot more. And Mm -hmm. and when we come on to falconers, spoiler alert, um, there are other ways we felt that you could enhance falconers without, without necessarily dialing up hunter's power level it should be pointed out hunters were probably the one and steel jaw specifically with a one guild that was hitting like 65 percent sort of thing in the win rates like steel jaws way out in front of everyone else that's quite a big difference isn't it it's almost as if matt hart did not the best job of designing no 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 we won't hear bad things about matt hart here at all this this is no dissing off matt The poor man works hard to... Anyway, let's move on, shall we? Um, so, um, next up is... I mean, I call him Cast, but you're from the South, so Cast, is that how you say it in London? Cast. Cast. I mean, yes. you're Scottish, but I guess Cast. 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 Um, so, I'm really fortunate that there's, there's, there's a change log here. It means I can work out what's going on. It's really handy. Um, yeah, but it must be hard for you to work out what's happened since season two, Andrew. Well, it's, <laughs> like, it, it, I mean, the, the difference between the difference between Cass and season two is that he actually exists in, <laughs> in season four. She she exists, Andrew. She That's exists. What I said she exists since he <laughs> didn't say that. Can't be, you can't be the thing. All right. Um, so cast um, lost damage from shield throw, and it changed to fumble. Yeah, mm-hmm. Neil, do you want to talk us through this? Yeah, it's actually uh, quite uh, quite easy, this one. Um, yeah. She was a problem. <laughs> she was just... <laughs> that's, that's, I think, the best way to describe it. Um, I don't know what went wrong with playtesting, but I think anyone that would say that having momentous seven and a four-inch dodge on two hits is fine that that's Sounds just okay. not fine Sounds fine. <laughs> not even <laughs> not even once per turn that that's just uh um but now the thing was okay so how can we dial that down yeah but, should we explain why i think because not everyone i think might know why but basically cast having just two damage and a guild box symbol on a second column the guild box symbol could also be used for shield throw, which is also two damage. And there's a weird interaction basically between that and her swift strikes ability. So mm-hmm. uh, essentially she could basically do, she essentially on her second column had four damage and where they go, because she could dodge off each of those off the guild box symbol and off the two damage. So she could dodge four inches. And then Cass can very easily dial that up to seven damage as well with, you know, tooled up. And she gets a bonus hitting models that are burning. So she had pretty easy access. Like basically, it's, do you remember Andrew when we did the podcast previously with Bryce, and he um, told us this, and there was the bit we had to remove from the final podcast where I pointed out it takes two influence from Furnace for her to do seven damage where they go, uh, and Bryce swore so much we had to edit it out. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it's basically just a hot fix to that, isn't it, Niels? It's yeah, so the only thing we actually did was uh, take away the damage part of shield throw. Um, so that basically fixes her having two interactions of um, Swiss strikes on a single hit. 
Um, and also, um, we are basically lowering her max damage by two um, or three if you add tooled up. Yeah. Um, the that's fine. Damage on our playbook. Yeah, the highest damage on our playbook is now the damage at the top of our playbook. Yes. Other than her second column, <laughs> which feels like an appropriate thing to do. And also, um, we'll come on to this, but but we changed. Well, we'll keep we'll keep it back. But the shield throw has changed its name to fumble because there is another uh, like synchronizing change we can make where we use the same wording for the same play. I mean, that's, well, that what we hope right. this does is makes her. Yeah, what we hope this does is make her still able to like still very mobile, still able to do a lot of, still able to do quite a lot of output and and also do a bit of setup, which apprentices can do in blacksmiths, but makes her more ball focused. Than she was before because I think I never really saw anyone ever use shield throw to recover the ball in yep. you know season four. It was always, always damage. damage. Pretty much, yeah. So we were, that's when we were reasonably pleased with because we were able to make just one quick change, like one minor change. I mean, it's a small, small tweak and hugely change the model, can't it? Really, you know, because a little bit here and there can really pull things back into the right sort of. Um... Mm-hmm. I mean, did you have much? Um input or much information on how much pl- certain players were taken you, said, you mentioned win rates for captains did you have much input in terms of pick rates for characters we um, don't have that data nope. but I, I think we can guess that 90 to 99% would play cast in every single game oh, they have isn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I haven't played a game as blacksmiths or against blacksmiths, and I'm, you know I've not been playing tons, but I I cannot see, and, and I was the number one ranked blacksmith player in the world for a while, and I cannot see a situation when you're playing blacksmiths where you would not play cast because mom said I can't think of one. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. yeah, because because not so. <laughs> so we have um, now we have a buff, don't we? Rather than enough. Yeah. yeah, imagine that. So we have Icaros. Um, Icaros from uh, Falconers. Um, so you have added um, dodge to his mom tackle and one. So one hit has got a momentous tackle dodge, which is pretty tasty. Um, you've moved the momentum from his two d- damage on column three, and you've added a tackle to his mom double dodge on four. So he has two momentous tackles, one on one hit, one on four hits. Um, the one on one hit is momentous tackle dodge. The one on four hits is momentous tackle double dodge, admittedly with tack four. Yep. Um, and you've changed and flight as well. Yeah, we've, um, quite we've upgraded it. Yeah. We've upgraded taking flight. Like uh, before, it was uh, it gains flying and make it can make a jog. We have um, actually buffed this. We have just given Icarus flying all the time. And um, he's got wings because he has wings, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and taking flight right now is basically that this model now I can now have a double jog, and for the duration of the advance, it gets plus two plus two movement. So, uh, before you had to go through a harrier to get extra movement, now you don't, you just have to uh, activate taking flight. And uh, there's a lot of control as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, we've given it. We've given him the actual flint treatment. Yeah. Tackle dodge on one. Close control. Very fast. Um, we've basically ma- uh, made him a quite um, influence influence efficient striker. 
uh, while still having the ability of uh, putting down a Harrier if uh, so desired. Yeah, he was he was always like the least influence efficient striker you could imagine. Like it, it was like four influence for him to go as far as he could go and not interact with anyone. And now you know that is a lot lower. He he will get a lot done. You know, with two influence, he can with two influence, he can basically sprint, jog, and take a shot. Yeah, and putting four influence uh, the striker can be quite hard. Can't it sometimes it can be quite a big drain can't it, on the team. Yeah, and I think Falconers were always. Like one of the issues I think we wanted him to cover was to give Falconers like another threat vector so they can pressure the ball a bit more now. And mm-hmm. you know, the way you dealt with Falconers is you basically like all their output came from like almost all their victory points came out of Rundas and Devana. So if you could disrupt Rundas or Devana or kill one of them, they mm-hmm. they sort of tailed off on their ability to score victory points or to allocate sort of resources meaningfully, so by buffing Icaros, we, we would hope that they can now uh, really start putting a bit more ball pressure on and have sort of alternate models that can actually score them points. Um, we were trying to be a bit careful with them because we want them to actually interact with models because the risk of giving Falconers a lot of buffs is that they are quite standoffish, so mm-hmm. we don't want to, we didn't want to make them better at being standoffish and they but I think the big one for Falconers, were they bottom in the win rates? I think they were bottom um, of the news. They were rats, wasn't it? They're low. Their rate, yeah, their win rate was very low, and we felt like um, Ekaros did not compare at all to the other minor guild only squaddies in the game. Like if you mm-hmm. like, so the, the recent trend in the minor guild only squaddies is for them to actually be incredibly powerful. Um, you know, more powerful than you would see in a major guild to make up for that lack of flex. So if you compare Ekaros to either like you know, Ram or the Dogs and Shepherds is the latest example. It's not even close. Yep. So so we hope this this bridges that gap a little bit. Just checked forty four percent. So what sort of so um, not... what sort what sort of percentage are you looking for? You're looking for everything to get as close to fifty as you can, basically, and with a little deviation either side, is that the aim? That would be the dream, but I think from the from the community from the community survey we did, the the general feedback was that people felt like masons and fish were the two best balanced guilds in the game. So mm-hmm. the target, the sort of um, the sort of brief, I guess we gave uh, the rules guys was, you know, that we're aiming for that baseline of roughly where masons and fish are um, in terms of the power level. Like obviously we'd like everything to be at fifty percent, but that's that's not ever really gonna happen. But I think within forty five, fifty five we'd be happy with. But the, the general sure. brief was about get stuff to the level that Masons and Fish are at. This doesn't mean there aren't individual models within Masons and Fish that we might be concerned about, but the overall balance level from the community, the feedback was that those are the two guilds that people are happiest with. Mm-hmm. So next with Lucky who um it's changed quite a lot, right? Yep. Um, so he's gone from um, he's gone down in defence, presumably because he's a bit more like a brewer now, isn't he? His defence three one, uh, tough hide. Yep. Uh, which uh, before he didn't have to fight, but it was four one, wasn't he? Before that, um, he's got slightly faster. Um, so he's gone from um, uh, was he five eight before? Is that right? He was five eight. And now he's six, six eight. eight. Yeah. Um, his one tackle's gone down to one hit because it was tasty. Um, yep, also Mason. Yep, exactly. Um, and raise the stakes, which was his dodge, wasn't it? Has now become a four-inch dodge. Before before that, it was a double dodge, wasn't it? You dodge and they dodge, is that correct? 
Yes. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you you dodged him. They dodged theirs. Is that right? Is that the order? Or was they dodge, dodge theirs first? I forget the order. Who do who's first? Um, I think Lucky had to dodge first. But the the interesting part was that your opponent could actually just choose one of their models That's to right, make yeah. a four inch dodge. I remember. Never, so I remember having a Mason using him. Yeah, it was actually always stronger for your opponent when you used it. So, actually, no one actually used it. Um, You'd only ever use it to score a goal to win the game. Yeah. yeah. But you'd only ever use it if using that one you the game. Like, yeah. So, so sadly, it probably is less... It probably is a bit more boring than it was. It's better, though. But it's actually <laughs> better. Like, you know, so you, so you can't get... Yeah, like... And I think that was... I think with SG, obviously, Lucky was like a promotional model. Yeah. So yeah. they were slightly limited in what they could actually do with Lucky. So, so we, you know, we and it's a model that like everyone has, right? Everyone has a Lucky. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so it was one we wanted to try and give more table time to. Mm-hmm. We're basically hoping that these changes will um, open up like a type of sturdy footballing option for both guilds that he plays for. Um, honestly, we're just hoping that he gets picked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his pick rate yeah. before was pretty low, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wasn't in any WTC squads for Masons. No, I've never seen him in Masons. Like, maybe you know, the, no. you know the, per- the percentages I gave for cast? Just do the inverse. I think I played in Masons yeah, yeah. maybe once or twice ever. I think. Yeah, yeah. sorry, I, I think I was never some for Brewers, but he occasionally popped up in Masons as like a condition clearing yeah, box. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. But but yeah, he was not a, a widely popular model. So so we this is just a, a bit of a nudge up to maybe see, you know, hopefully see his uh, his pick rate come up a bit and, and just give people some interesting choices to make about about what models they take. Very much, yeah. Um next we have um Miasma. Yes. Yeah. So Miasma is a big one. Miasma is one we're sort of we're really interested in, in this change. Yeah, this this could make or break red catchers, I think. <laughs> like make as in they're finally like in the forty-five to fifty-five percentages where we want them, or break as in, oops, we <laughs> went a bit too far. <laughs> I mean, that her aura buff is quite a big deal, right? Yeah, the aura yes. buff that you're mentioning is, um, you know, like Virulence train always uh, only. Um, Enemy models suffered uh, minus one tech when they were diseased. Uh, we added a defense debuff as well, so they're minus one tech and minus one death. That's pretty grim. Um, that's pretty, that's grim. pretty yeah, strong, it, it, yeah. Um, the reason for this is I think we also found that like the general consensus was that disease isn't... It's like, disease is Ratcatcher's thing, right? It's their big thing, and it is, it is not a big enough benefit to Ratcatchers. Like, mm-hmm. it's... And so we wanted to create a situation where we could make disease really be a big benefit for rat catchers, but we wanted to be able to still give players some mitigation against it. Yep. And I think one of the things that might have hit rat catchers as well is that there is no more condition clearing in the game. Like every, almost every guild and almost every new guild has access to some sort of free condition clearing. So actually disease costing two momentum to clear um, isn't as big a deal to a lot of guilds because they have free condition removal. 
So we wanted to make disease more impactful. We wanted to make it like you really do not want to be diseased against rat catchers rather than I'm diseased, it's kind of annoying, but I can probably live with it. Um, and, and so that's the that's the reason for it. While we do think it does give some counterplay, like you can still clear disease yeah, from your models. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also the other thing we really wanted to do is make sure that like miasma is a really squishy model. Like it's got terrible counterattack, it's got really bad defensive stats. Um, you know, and so we want to make sure that the other counterplay against it is you can kill miasma. Like you're putting a really squishy model within six inches of enemy models. Yep. Yeah, I mean defense four arm zero is not great, is it? Nope, only sixteen HP. Basically, if you don't have the means to um rem- like to remove the conditions, just remove miasma. Yeah, <laughs> but she was often a model. I don't know about when I played as rats or played against them. She was often a model that I wasn't that fussed about. You know, like I don't. There were other models I'd rather kill than my asthma because my asthma doesn't do that much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you take an opportune kill on her because she's vulnerable. But now, like she is, she's scary. Yeah, you must take her out. Otherwise, you're having. Uh, you might have the problem with a piper. Pellage and of course Scourge are going to get out of hand very soon. I think what you've seen, what you'll see is like, it, I don't think it's saying anything that the Miasma boss and the Ekaros boss are probably the biggest mm-hmm. two factions that they're going to the two factions that are struggling most currently. Speaking of models that struggle, I guess we're looking at Minx next. Yeah, um, poor struggle. Minx. Yeah, yeah, so we've buffed Minx. We had to buff Minx. She, yeah. uh, I mean, I haven't been in that much contact with the Gibble Meta for, for a while, but I've heard that she's pretty underpowered. Even I've heard, even I've heard that. Yeah. We, we were worried that some people might think that Cast was better than Minx. Yeah. So we, we've resolved that by, by basically Minx just having um, the top end of Cena's damage track. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and not, 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 not weedy Cena now, like original season four Cena that also gives out bleed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <This nasty. laughs> so she is lost back to the shadows, which is a pretty big deal. Um, yes. So no longer she can run away yeah. after after hitting someone for damage um, while laughing. And then uh, her playbook on columns three and five have dropped by one apiece. Mm-hmm. Well, we've also added a extra dodge there. So basically, uh, three dodge on three has gone to two double dodge, and four dodge on five has gone to three double dodge. Yeah, so, so she's more dodgy, less damagey, but doesn't have back to the shadows. Yeah, so if you uh, put her in a fight, she's in the fight right now. Um, of course, we've not touched her 4114, so uh, she now is just as um, killable as, let's say, Gutter or Decimate. Yeah, one of them as well, so yeah, easy, easy to take out, right? We'll get to. Yeah, she, she was a model that does, she did everything, like, and we, we sort of underlined about how best to change her, um, but I think we felt that. Uh, she also crowds out a lot of other models in you, like particularly Odesimate, who's a really good model, but um, mm-hmm. doesn't see that much play. So, given that Odesimate has access 
to Second Wind, we thought actually maybe removing Back to Shadows, like if you want a model that does damage and runs away a long way, you still have Odecimate, like, but you have to pay for the running away bit. Um, whereas Minx is still a great setup piece, she still does a lot of damage, um, mm-hmm. but, she, but her damage isn't quite as extreme as it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially those those three and four damage results in on Minx easily became four and five damage with Toad Up or with uh, Bloody Coin and those sort of abilities. So she was just able to do a lot of damage and get really, really safe. And then you also had to sort of... Um, she's really good at standoffs as well because of Axe Throw Back to the Shadows. But now, you know, if you want to die some range damage in Union, you've got Hemlock who's who's real good at range damage, but she doesn't run away four inches afterwards, so that's the other sort of bit of consideration there. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, now like everybody used Minx as a kickoff piece, uh, now you can maybe put back in Mist. Mm-hmm. So the so, idea was, yeah, I think we all felt like, you know, Mist is a good model, um, Decimate is a good model, both are quite heavily crowded by Minx, just being good at everything mm-hmm. um so i guess we're looking at more buffs next aren't we for uh s brisket ah yes yeah. brisket that's a fun one so she's gained attack on one hit yes um which is lovely um so her um with the plums changed because before it was on the playbook wasn't it yep um, and now she gets a bonus VP on a snapshot, which is quite nice. Yep. So um, um, basically, with a plum, never got used, or yeah, pretty basically well, when the, when the stars aligned, you would use it. Um, so now we were we were thinking, well, she has, still has unpredictable movement. She has basically dodges everywhere on her playbook. Um, she has the tools to try and stay disengaged and open enough for um, snapshots. Yeah, and I think we also wanted to look at our playbook, didn't we? Because I think any anyone who has played a game um, with Ordor knows the joyous feeling of going in to recover the ball from a modelling cover with brisket and, and just rolling the first column like six times in a row. Yep, so, never getting that tackle on two. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. So, so we gave her a non-momentous tackle on one. So if she can tackle the ball in an early activation, she might have to work a bit for the momentum. And we also gave her the first ever use of in Guild Ball is a momentous double tackle on her fourth column. So, yeah. you know, so basically kind of... uh, taking the place of that uh, cup symbol that was there for with a plum. And uh, now she has a way of getting around close control. Yeah, and it, yeah, there's a trade-off there, isn't there? Like, you know, you either need a, you know, either need like singled out from Harry and some crowd outs, or you need to be charging maybe with anatomical. Uh, yeah, it, uh, it's not easy can... to get there, but she can get there. So you're yeah, not one hundred, one hundred percent dependent on uh, Spigot's uh, balls gone anymore. Yeah, so that was the thinking behind that, I think, and and she's one we had quite a lot of debate about. So. You know, maybe the tackle on one could have been momentous, maybe it couldn't have, but but we felt like we wanted her to have the ball retrieval, but we know that order can you know, order when it goes well are one of the least interactive teams in the game because they mm-hmm. sort of do their own things. So we wanted to make sure there was some 
mitigation against like just sort of getting steamrolled by order. So we, we, we were being a bit careful with that. You know, we wanted to give them a tweak. We wanted to push them up, a, dial them up a little bit, but we didn't want to make them um, to sort of try and boost their uninteractivity too much. Yep. So, so, so the thing is, like for Brisket, she, you know, she now can probably go and get the ball off someone on turn one because she's got a tackle on her first column. But you, if you want to, she can get anywhere in the pitch because she's got the ball of light and she's got all that jank. But if you want to go for like a first turn goal run with her to get the ball off, let's say I'm on a four one and cover, like that's quite dicey, still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she can definitely get the ball back. So that that's the thinking there. Yep. Um. Hook and Crook. Yeah, that's the, the best boys. One. The best boys, yeah. Um, with Hook and Crook, it's actually uh, quite easy. Um, of course, Shepherds, they just came out. We didn't want to, we actually didn't want to touch them right away, right, Steve? Yeah, um, this was, they were, they were a really late inclusion. They were the last uh, models that came in, weren't they? Mm hmm. We basically got a lot of uh, playtesting uh, data from uh, people playing as or against them, and um, they needed a bit of a tweak. Um, they were really good. They were really good. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> it's not, it's I, I not played, minors played, release good, but yes, they're good. Yeah, I've, I played one event with them to try and get a feel for them, and I'd ne- to put it this way, I'd never played a game with Shepherds in my life, ever. Uh, played first round into Perkins with Scalpel and won and beat Perkins reasonably comfortably. And that's not, you know, its own thing. But, like, I don't know what I'm doing with them. Perkins is a real good player with his best guild and it's and, and Shepherds are that's not pretty good. That's not good Yep. Um, but we were very cautious about it because they are the only guild we only have online data for. Yes. You know, you know, like Minx, I've put on a tabletop. Uh, loads of other players, you know, in the playtesting group and in the rules group, have put like physically played on clock at events in the table. Um, Hook and Crook, you know, they are they are the shepherds of the lockdown team. You know, they came out right at the start of lockdown. They've never mm-hmm. been played on anything other than uh, virtual environments. So we didn't want to go really heavily into shepherds, but we did want to do something to them. Yeah, and one of the, th- the the one thing that we did want to do was um, basically get rid of the gutter syndrome, season one gutter syndrome. Basically, uh, you can now get out, uh, get um, get away from your deployment zone and not be scared to just get pulled in uh, as heavily. Like they can still do it. We've basically tweaked the numbers a bit. Um, we've put down the. Uh, distance between the dog and the harvest marker from four inches to two inches and the distance for between uh, the dog and the uh, model we had pulled from four to three. So no more um, getting pulled six inches from your deployment zone at turn one anymore. That's fair. Yeah. And the other thing we could do with herding was we standardized it with all of the other Reaper plays. So all of the other Reaper plays involved being two inches from a harvest marker, um, with the exception of uh, of Murder Granny. Um, but she's her own unique thing. So so we try to basically make a bit of consistency as well, because the dog's mm-hmm. having a four-inch foot when everyone else has a two-inch. You know, just was a 
you know, a, a little bit of a sort of, uh, oh, well, that different that distance difference will make me just a bit more sort of cleaner and straightforward. Yes, and talking about cleanliness, um, like by removing the damage from cast, cast's uh, shield throw, um, it basically was now the same character play as that, well, that of the dogs. So we, that is the character play we basically merged. So both cast and the dogs now have uh, fumble. Yeah. So so howl howl and uh, uh, shield throw have become fumble, which which I think we and this was one of the more esoteric debates of it, wasn't it? Is uh, we had a conversation about whether it should be miscontrol um, as a play, and we couldn't actually between us completely agree whether gill ball is played with your feet or your hands. <laughs> so, I mean, so a in, of... in a game where you can carry basically swords or indeed mining kit onto a pitch, it's probably not much. Of of an issue to the refs if they have refs <laughs> what you use to carry the ball no 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 exactly so it was it was sort of uh, yeah so so I as a football player want to miss control because that's what happens when you don't track a ball but uh, but fumble is uh, you know like yeah have it with your hands and it's and it's a little nod to, to one of the games that may have influenced Blood Bowl uh, may have influenced uh, Gill Ball and its creation so we thought we'd give it a little nod mm-hmm. uh, so next up we're looking at Steel Jaw uh, only one Ooh. change here. Yeah. So she's fine. People love Steeljaw. I think that's then. the universe. Next one, then, right? The most, he- yeah, the most yep. heard comment I think we've had is, can you find a way to make Steeljaw less interactive? I think was the, was the comment <laughs> I heard. <laughs> you know, my, my worry is Steeljaw is, you know, she's too dice dependent. She's too interactive. Um, so Steeljaw was um, emerging as a problem both uh, she she was like the last sort of unchanged third wave captain, I think, other than other than Yukai. Um, so and she was sort of so I think she'd sort of risen to the top of the power balance um, by virtue of you know others around her getting nerfed. And she, one of the big issues was that you know bait. She didn't need to roll to hit. She just thought auto push, auto damage. Um, does does not a lot of counterplay against it and allowed her to play a very defensive, very standoffish game. Um, and and one of the big strengths of Steel Jaw is that you know if she wants to, she can pretty much kill your captain at will mm-hmm. with a combination of her legendary and bait. So the we targeted just just bait was the only play, and basically the big change for that is she has to roll dice for bait now. Yeah. So. Like before, it was a pulse, and pulses are self-cast, so or self-ranged, so uh, they basically hit automatically. We changed it. We made it a three-inch AOE. So um, besides now having to roll to hit, um, now the uh, the area of effect is also gotten smaller. So. Um, one of the things that Steel Jar should have been like weaker into is teams that like to spread out that are fast and have high defenses. Um, by having auto-hitting defense debuffs, that was not an issue for her, or not as much of an issue anymore. So that's also another reason why we went for the AoE. Um, so yes, she gets stronger against bunker type play but that is where she should be strong she should not be strong into everything because again she was crowding out scatha she was crowding out theron and you've got to remember like theron is a 
model is unchanged from when uh, Will Wineville won Worlds running Theron, you know, back at the start of season four. Mm-hmm. Theron is not a bad model. And, and so you've got counterplay to footballing captains in Theron and in, and in Scatham, different types of counterplay. Um, so, yeah, so that was, that's the only change. I mean, yeah, it does mean she can push more models now if you bunk her up, but there is also counterplay to that because don't stand within three inches of each other. And also, as with, say, Theron, where they've got or Smoke or any character that has a really important character play that you need to roll to hit with, just going to miss sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it does mean there's more counterplay into them from either high defense models or models like sort of Fuse, who mm-hmm. you know have specific anti um, anti ranged uh, attack you know, sort of uh, defenses. So so there is some stuff in there as well. And unlike Theron, she doesn't have um, the ability to to because Theron can obviously roll like arrow to the knee before he rogues pinned in an effort to basically get two bites of the cherry and in theory to get snared out first. And Steeljaw doesn't have that. The other big thing is you can still hit this off your playbook. Yep. So if, if you want auto hit with it, you just have to interact with a model. So were you tempted to change any of the, any of, the, uh, of the last sort of wave captains at all? We, we had considered, I think, it didn't go that far, but I think one of the things we wanted to look at we were attempting to look at was just a, a cleanliness pass on Soma, who still has a lot of rules and a lot of quite complex interactions on them. So that was one we wanted to look at. We deliberately set ourselves a limit of only two captains. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're at it, yeah. So 10 models, two captains. Um, partly because captains are more complex and have more scope for us to, you know, make a mistake. Um, so we set that. But the third wave ones we were sort of interested in were, was mostly, yeah, Steeljaw was the obvious don't yeah. have caps to look at in terms of a downgrade. Uh, Soma we might look at in terms of a balance pass at some point, but more of a wording and a cleanliness thing because it's a lot of it can be quite confusing. Um, obviously, I personally would like to nerf that Bore again just for his previous crimes against. Hey, uh, hey. <laughs> but, but sadly, sadly, it is not yet a dictatorship of just me doing whatever I, I, I want. I think so. I think there's a good market for punishment eraters. Well, yeah, yeah, you just yeah. get someone for previously being annoying. Yeah, wait, wait until <laughs> I get hold of Thresher. <laughs> it's like <laughs> guess you can't play. Going, you, you know what you did. Thresher dies. The first time this model makes a successful attack, it suffers the taken out condition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still be OP. Um, oh, yeah, and we have one, one to go. One to go. More to go. Um, so you have changed um, Tenderizer. You've changed Celebrate This. Uh, we mm-hmm. worked it. His influence changed to being 2-3 rather than 2-4. And he's got um, goal defence rather than outfield defence. Yeah, so the goal defence and outfield defences were basically it was easy. Um you no longer have to. Uh, you know, can no longer say you're not scoring a goal this turn, because uh, those like the card, uh, the game plan card uh, that gave you goal defense and outfield defense always stacked, and that was I, that was uh, what we think uh, not intended. So we basically standardized that, so it doesn't stack anymore. Uh, so the we've introduction. Nerfed, we've nerfed tenderizer, right, Nils? We've nerfed him. 
Yeah, we've nerfed him. Like also, <laughs> with, like like the in, the influence uh, from two four to two three. So that's also a uh, a nerf. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Um, so let's go in to celebrate this. Uh, it was always uh, four damage after the enemy scored. Uh, we, we've changed this. Uh, if tenderizer is within the four-inch aura, uh, whenever an enemy model scores a goal, uh, the first time the enemy scores a goal, um, tenderizer gains furious and fear for the rest of the game. <laughs> he really hates it when people score. Like um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Like, like, it, it, it kind of emulates how Butcher's players generally feel in general. <laughs> Yeah, just angry. He's yeah, just angry. angry people scoring goals. Um, so I think yeah. there's a couple of things with this. Uh, this this was one of the most debated changes. I think it's uh, this took a lot of play testing and a lot of thought. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple of reasons for it. You know, one is that butchers and cooks um, weren't quite where we wanted them to be, sort of win rate wise. So we were looking at you know could we boost both teams and tenderize as an obvious overlap model to boost both teams. Um, it's a bit of a cleanliness pass. He had that janky interaction with the goal defence card. But also what we wanted to do was make him as a goalkeeper slightly more interesting because mm. the damage thing is great. Um, but actually, sometimes it was really good for Butchers, but sometimes the damage thing actually sort of slightly hindered Butchers because what they want to do is then Mario scores a goal, Butchers just punch it for loads of momentum. Yeah, yeah. Then it died faster. And we also wanted to have it be... Slightly thematic, but more of a like more of a specific reaction to goal teams, mm-hmm. and not just being about um, you know you either struggle to score or we punish you for scoring. So I guess more in the sort of skulk space of suddenly this becomes a very proactive model. And I think the interesting thing is like tenderizer maybe does you know he still he makes him so it makes tenderizer both better at holding the ball because he has fear and a real good counter attack, but also makes his uh, damage output you know. Potentially really scary um, with with Furious. Yeah, he um, still has a very good playbook. So there you go. Yes. So, but this is the, this is the one we went back and forth on, um, and I think we we talked about him starting the game with fear, and we felt like that was maybe a bit much. So we felt like okay, this is this is how it works. But also there is some counterplay to it because you know you can push t- Tenderize on more than four inches away from the goalpost. Yeah. So there are ways of stopping him getting these bonuses. Um, and we also, I think we also just felt like Tenderizer is a really iconic model. Like, it, you know, yes. he looks scary. He yeah, looks yeah, angry. Um, he is not particularly scary or angry. Like, good use of Tenderizer was generally, you know, you park the ball on him and you make it hard for your opponent to score a goal. And we, we wanted him to be more like, no, he's going to come out and start hitting those big red numbers against people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and that's it. Yeah, that's an errata. Like it, when you go through it that in that that sort of time, it doesn't feel like it took the amount of work. For it to <laughs> I mean, it's only been an hour of, of a podcast, so presumably it took no more than an hour to do the errata. I that's not. Yeah, it took an works. hour. It took an hour. Yeah, we definitely no. did spend at least a week on whether you know brisket should have a momentous tackle or not or what should what tenderizer should have but i think the big thing to say is like we have like the, the sort of rules guys that, that led on the development of this and you'll see them in the blog that's on the longshanks website some of them are talking in a bit more depth about their rationale for the changes and the playtesting team that helped us with this like 
that was massive. Like this was like I know Niels and I have come on and talked about this on the podcast, um, but like it was a massive uh, all round community effort, and like it is a product of a large-ish group of people. Yeah, so together. we're going to do bonus time in a minute um, talking about some of the th- ways you went about playtesting, where basically uh, Niels and Steve will explain how it was just them who did all the hard work. <laughs> uh, so if you want to pay $5 to, to hear them round about how basically the rest of the team is generally useless, um, stay tuned for that. <laughs> strong plug, strong plug. I think my only positive contribution was I, I think cast was my idea. I think the cast change was my idea, but I can't think of anything else that was. <laughs> Until we have those punitive artists for the next next set, where basically Thresher and um, um... oh man, farmers are getting destroyed, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like just destroyed. <laughs> Okay, that's you that, that ball that, comes in his head. <laughs> no, no, sadly, this this is one of the, this is one of the like I guess like before we sort of sign off, I guess there is a risk of doing stuff by committee that yeah you know you end up with a camel and you end up with you know, the management speakers, but you end up with all designing slightly weird things that don't quite work because you're trying to compromise to make everyone happy. But I felt like one of the things it did do is actually curbed quite well individuals sort of. Uh, you know, specific bet noirs that people had that allowed different types of play and different experiences to be brought to the table when considering that. So mm. I think we, I think Niels, you and I have both said in sort of Discord and other public forums, like if if this had just been Niels and I doing the errata, this would not be the ten models we'd have picked. No, but I think it is better because this is not the ten models that we would have picked. Like it is like Correct. lots of thought and discussion has been into this, and like every model that went into this. Probably with the exception of Minx and Cast was was challenged as to whether they should go in there. Yep. Pretty much. Um and there we go. So we'll um we'll have another chat about the Arata in a minute. And um thanks for coming on. So when do you think you're gonna have another Arata then to Arata this Arata? Six months six months, say, right? We are between six and twelve months. We're, we're we're not sure quite the same. It might well depend on when uh, real life events start up again and how consistently they are we would like to not make we would like the next errata to be based on tabletop play with clocks mm-hmm. rather than on online play and there is some thinking that um, with the with the very regular erratas that we saw in the last couple of years at Guild Ball it often didn't let the meta settle quite as much and see counterplay to models that came out and also I think we feel like and we may find out we failed on that but we felt like the most egregious there there are no hopefully there are now no clearly just crazy good models mm-hmm. in a way that the war say when some of the third wave captains came out so we're hoping with the meta being a bit more balanced um and that's mostly the work that steamforge did in the erratas between the third wave captains coming out to get the game into a place of quite good balance that you know what we might see is more counterplay developed to things, or more interesting sort of tech picks coming through, um, rather than the need to just errata stuff. Yep. Uh, there we go. So so thanks. Might, oh, but, but it might turn out the tenderizer and miasma are absolutely crazy, and that we need another errata in a couple of months. So, well, not errata. Like the the fact thanks. is, we're now in a kind of a digital way of doing erratas right now. Um, hot fixing is easy enough. So if things get out of hand way too much, uh, we're, we are keeping our eyes on things. And um, be sure to know that like, if things get out of hand, 
we'll change them. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I did, did the, the, the hand signs things. No one could see it on the podcast. Cool. Um, thanks for that. So um, stay tuned um, for um, some more bonus content. Um, the same as this, this but shorter, more expensive. And um, uh, I'll say thank you to you two, and I'll see you both later. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.